0: Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, dynasty league dirt balls, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide. This is the Rosterwatch podcast presented by rosterwatch.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, joined as always by Rosterwatch co-founder Byron Lambert, who is the architect of this week's Week 7 Ultimate Waiver Wire Cheat Sheet. Of course, the cheat sheet is available to all of our pro subscribers at Rosterwatch.com. We implore you. Uh, if you're not a member at Roster Watch, uh, go get a membership. It's cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee, and you're gonna need this cheat sheet this week because while it's not a week that has a lot of sizzle at the top, it's a very deep week on the uh, on on waivers. I see that the cheat sheet is uh, just as um, just as deep and as encompassing as always with some really interesting names. Before I get to Byron, just one quick reminder. Um, Go into iTunes and search for Roster Watch. When you search for Roster Watch, uh, the the Roster Watch podcast will auto-populate. This is a way you can give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We appreciate everybody who's been doing it. We're going to continue giving out free pro memberships at rosterwatch.com. And the way you do it is just search within iTunes. Uh, Whenever Roster Watch pops up, click on that. You'll come to a page that's like a, a landing page where you'll be able to click on album art that just says R.W. Maniacal NFL Analysis, just a little square there. Click on that. It'll take you to a page where you just click five stars. Write a quick review. Uh, we will give you a shout-out here on the podcast and a shot at a free pro membership at Watch. With that being said, Byron, what's going on, man? What all went into the... Uh, it looks like there might have been some some tough decisions atop the waiver wire cheat sheet this week.
1: Yeah, it reminds me quite a bit of last week, which actually turned out to be a really nice week off the waiver wire cheat sheet. Um, You know, last week we kind of called it a week at Walmart because it was a big, deep sheet full of cheap guys that were all kind of value plays and nobody we were going to overspend on. And if you go back and look, a lot of the guys that were at the top of their respective tiers, whether it was the high tiers or the lower, more valuable kind of, you know, value shopping tiers that we always talk about at the bottom, uh those guys really hit I see this week um, a, a lot the same way and if, if it's possible this is even a thinner week than it was last week but of course there there will be some very good plays on here and you know there's only two teams on bye this week we're, we're, we're about to hit a few weeks here where there's going to be a bunch of bye weeks so I mean this is a time to time to start having a little bit of foresight. You know, there's a lot of four and two teams and a ton of three and three teams across every league you can imagine right now. This is a really, really competitive, competitive year, and we need to keep our we need yeah. to keep our edge uh, and continue with these waiver wire pickups. It's, all,
0: it's, it's always a competitive year, dude. I it's always a struggle. By the like you say, by the end of this, by the end of the year, we're like these salmon up in up in Alaska that grow a beak. They're like – their bodies are falling apart.
1: They're just swimming. They're swimming. Sca- their Swim. scales are gone. <laughs> They're just everything. Swimming team, like, upstream. They literally
0: grow a beak. Yeah, yeah. They start
1: shedding their rotten flesh. It is what happens. Your team just – it's the attrition.
0: <laughs> it's not just this year. It's, it's the attrition year, of dude. the
1: season. You, I, you say that, but, I mean, really, I mean, I've been keeping my eye on several leagues, including the roster watch Listener League, which I'm sorry, guys, I – I did a whole review of the Cockamamie Business League last week before the trade cast, and just the trade cast started to run long and I couldn't get to it. We were afraid Matt Deutsch of SiriusXM would run to the bat phone if we started talking about that
0: i told byron he said is there any way that we can talk about our uh i can break down our listener league
1: <laughs> thoughts here uh
0: during the week seven show on sirius xm i said absolutely not unless you want us to get fired that is that is radio that we love those guys man and i mean you, you guys are our, are our friends and but like this is a the, the podcast is where we control the content like we would get fired from sirius xm if, if we talked about if we talked about a uh, uh, a listener league that was only important to you know 10 or 12 people listening so yeah i'm sorry about that that was definitely my decision i told byron he can just do it in the trade cast this week i will I'll, I'll just give his thoughts that he had that he had kind of written out from or you know whatever notes he took last week and just address them this week and if there's any changes that happen from week six to week seven then those guys can just hash it out but I, I think you could do it this week. Well, my
1: my point was just from keeping an eye on those leagues and the leagues that I'm involved in, and then all the activity I see on our Twitter account, where we're, we're uh, frequently engaged with Roster Watch Nation. Uh, that's at Roster Watch. Just if you see it, all the leagues are really tight. They're all a lot of four and twos and a lot of three and threes. A lot of te- just a lot of leagues that are with you know most of the league. Nine out of twelve teams are within a game of each other uh it's a tight it's a very tight season so anyways we'll just keep grinding
0: i noticed that this week on the waiver wire cheat sheet uh, there's a couple things i noticed just a couple things that i wanted to kind of go over with you as usual want to hit up a couple nfl subjects kind of review the weekend and spin it forward into week seven um the first is adrian peterson Uh, i'm uh, he's going to be a guy you're going to have to address tomorrow in the trade cast i'm sure um but man did you th- i mean what the hell was that that was a that was just a a complete blow up spot i mean 26 touches did you i mean clearly we didn't expect it is it just, i mean it, d- what do you what do you put that on for Adrian Peterson? Just his explosion of of, of of a game. Do you think it was just kind of uh, kind of a fluke? Do you think it has to do with maybe Tampa Bay at this point? You know, w- without Quan Alexander, we just need to think of him as a defense that you can beat by gashing him up the middle or by or by you know throwing it on him. Do we think that Adrian Peterson could possibly be back? He's a guy we're going to have to discuss in daily fantasy coming into next week because I think that the Cardinals are playing the Rams, who we're always going to consider uh, running backs against. What's your takeaways on AP?
1: I mean, that kind of performance seemed unlikely, but, you know, looking back, I mean, in Adrian Peterson's career, you really can't be all that surprised by it. And, you know, what did I tell you on the SiriusXM show was that, you know, yeah, and you were saying he's lost a step and he could be washed and this and this and that. And I said, look, I, he's probably not what he was, but it's not fair to Adrian Peterson to analyze him based on the volume he's been getting. He's a guy that needs volume in order to be productive, just like a lot of other of the most talented backs in the league currently and in through the history of the league. So he got volume and there you go, man. You see the guy, it's what Trashman me and said from Saints camp. It's kind of what we've known. I mean, the guy's still a physical freak. He's probably lost a little bit. He's a, he's useless on third downs, which is a real problem in fantasy. But he's been on the shelf and he just hasn't gotten volume. I think it's easy for a guy like him to look bad when he's not getting the touches and to be fair to him, he deserves a shot to to, you know, to get the volume and he did and he produced big, man. I mean, you just that that's, that feels like you look back on Adrian Peterson's career and I mean that kind of feels like when he came back in what 2012 from the knee injury and just went ham. I mean he just he's a guy, man. He just can never never count him out. And he's one of the all-time just freaks of the NFL.
0: Yeah, we saw that I saw uh, we saw on that first touchdown when we saw the head start to bob a little bit like back in the old days. He, he, so it, it was to, it, to it be it was fair, I do think
1: see. he looks a half step slower and a half step less explosive. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Then, you know. Also, that said, it was his first week on a new team with new players, and you know, sometimes, sometimes things look like they speed up a little bit once that you you get a minute or two to gel. So, we'll see. I mean, you got to imagine they plan on riding him. Adam Kaplan told us on the XM show that when David Johnson comes back, he'll resume workhorse duties. And the way it's looking, I mean, the Cardinals are very much going to be. In yeah, play. it's like it, it, it isn't the lo-
0: it, it, it it isn't the lo- it isn't the lost season that I envisioned. At least right now. No, and they're thinking. Boy, they got a couple of they got a couple of just ageless wonders on that team between him and him and uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I just wonder, like, I just wonder how how often are they going to be in a situation where they can just run at will like that, to where they're not having to be, you know, it, once they get behind in a football game. We're going to have to start wondering whether or not you know the game script is going to affect, um, is going to affect Adrian Peterson, and we're going to see more of Andre Ellington, who only was in on twenty percent of snaps in this game. You got to think it's because they weren't playing from behind very often.
1: Well, that's supposed to be a pretty good defense, you know. And by the way, I think it's worth mentioning.
0: Well, all, let, let me say though that all of our analytics, all, all, it's supposed to be, but all of our analytics at Roster Watch, the matchup tool um the 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 private de- the private database for one it's not good on the back end the 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 Tampa Bay defense i'm talking about we talking about Arizona
1: yeah you're talking about i thought you were talking about Adrian Peterson getting behind in a game script and can they stick with Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. I, think oh, I,
0: thought, I thought you were talk, talking about the matchup that he had last week, Tampa. Right. All right, so the Arizona defense? I'm, yeah, it should. I'm, that I'm should sorry. be a
1: good enough defense that they should. the game script shouldn't right. be totally out of favor for Adrian Peterson on a regular basis. And with when I'm talking it. about David yeah, Johnson coming back around Thanksgiving, I mean, it kind of seems I don't see why they're not going to just ride him as a workhorse. Now, I, I was hoping for 15-plus touches – I think you're gonna get it now. I think you're gonna get 18 plus touches. That's just what you were looking for. Is a great pickup for whoever got him last week, or whoever was just a lazy enough owner that they never dropped him, and has got has gotten <laughs> has gotten really really fucking lucky. You know, good for them.
0: Sometimes that works you know, out. Kid. Worked out for yeah. Worked out for me in one experts league that I was in in David Johnson's rookie year. If I would have if I would have managed that league with the same maniacal effort that I used to manage other leagues, I would have said, man, there's no way I can I can afford to continue rostering this guy. You know? I, I can't do it. I'm going to, like, especially through the buys. It's You know, at some point I would have had to drop him. At more often than but, times
1: than not, those things don't work out. And I, I do want to just give right. a kudos, though, because you mentioned f- physical ageless freaks and Fitzgerald and Adrian Peterson and from the Jerry Rice school of thought and ways of doing things, man. Those guys are two guys that have always been known for – Tireless work ethics and training regimens, and have never once been busted for any kind of PEDs or anything like that. So, I got you. Got to give mad respect to those guys, balling balling the way they are right now, man.
0: Yeah, future future Hall of Famers. That I mean, they make the make the Cardinals. you know, kind of fun to watch. I, I mean, God, they are old, though, man. <laughs> the core of that team, Carson Palmer, Adrian Peterson, Larry Fitzgerald, it feels like a 2007 group well, of superstars. Well, let me ask you, because that brings um, up
1: a good question. So, I was kind of tossing around on Twitter yesterday that we've got something really exciting shaping up in terms of projecting, predicting the top five Uh, fantasy draft picks for next year's fantasy draft. I mean, you know us. We're always looking ahead. That's our job at Roster Watch, And it brings up an interesting discussion. Who will be the top five picks next year? Because there's going to be some guys left out. And then that kind of led down a rabbit hole for me. You talking about the Cardinals aging team in offense. And I know you were worried about Arians a little earlier in the season. I mean, do we have any concern about – is there any concern at all about David Johnson's dynasty value with possibly like a Carson Palmer going the way of the Dodo bird next year and all these kind of things or are we just you you think you just gotta ride it out? I think there's two
0: sides to it yeah I think there's two sides I think on one side you can say no because that means he's gonna have to be the whole offense the other side is well if he's the whole offense then teams are gonna be able to pretty easily identify how to stop him right so I think he. I mean, I think. I think it cuts both ways. I think in the easiest terms, I think it's never good for a player whenever his team becomes worse, right? And his team's going to become worse sooner than later. So, I, I think he's the talent to overcome it to a large extent. But yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see him take a little bit of a hit.
1: So maybe you hope he comes in, ends the season on fire, and in dynasty, if you need to think about selling super high. Otherwise, I think. He'll probably just hold David Johnson. The Cardinals will draft a quarterback. He'll ride it out for a few years, and then hopefully that quarter, whoever they draft, it turns out to be good, and then be back to his normal normal status sooner than later and be a workhorse in the meantime at a little bit of a discounted rate.
0: One other guy I wanted to bring up, just a couple more things before we get to the waiver section. Uh, a, a workhorse himself, Melvin Gordon, just – I mean, it's two weeks in a row now where he's gone over, I think, 31 points or something on DraftKings. He continues to go underowned on there. He's somebody who I feel like, I mean, as a Melvin Gordon owner in one of my highest stakes leagues, even I at points during this season have felt a little bit low on Melvin Gordon. But, I mean, golly, tw- I think he had 12 targets in that game. Um, you know, just an absolutely monster performance. I, I-, I feel I feel good for all of Roster Watch Nation because I know that a ton of Roster Watch Nation owns Melvin Gordon. If they would have used the used the cheat sheet, and it's these kind of games, man. Twelve targets, thirty-four touches, one hundred fifty yards, and two touchdowns on eighty-nine percent of snaps. That is that's the kind of workload that we saw last year out of the David Johnsons, out of the Le'Veon Bills. I mean, twelve targets, thirty-four touches. Certainly, that isn't sustainable, right?
1: Um. No, that number is not sustainable, but I mean the Chargers win when they feed Melvin Gordon, and I mean what I've seen transpire with that organization over the last 18 months uh, especially this year at camp. I mean, if any of you guys listen to the podcast from the training camp tour, I mean, I just told you point blank that this is I mean, you can tell that the organization wants this the, the future, the very near-term future of this organization Revolves completely around Melvin Gordon, especially you know specifically on the offensive side. I mean, this is trending towards a Melvin Gordon offense, a Melvin Gordon team. You know that ultimately it's what Anthony Anthony Lynn wants. Just like all the rest of these guys, Melvin Gordon is way better with volume. You know, he just didn't get it early in the season. Uh, he's been awesome in fantasy. I think if you've got him, he's a sweet horse uh, to ride. Uh, The rest of the year, obviously, tomorrow on the trade cast, we'll talk about whether he's any kind of, you know, ultimate sell high or not. Um, Certainly, some owners may have to consider it. We'll break all that down tomorrow on tomorrow's trade cast. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Melvin Gordon's the real deal. I said last week on, on that podcast that, you know, don't don't call me surprised if he finishes the season neck and neck with Todd Gurley the rest of the way. I mean, I think it's, you know, really very, very possible. And, look, this week at home is tough against Denver, but I think the Chargers have found their identity. They've gotten two wins in a row after starting off 0-4 by riding Gordon. If you look at it, Gordon had, I think, a 13-point game and half-point PPR in week one on the road at Denver. Uh, Denver just got shredded by Orleans Darkwa. So... I mean, if you got Melvin Gordon, obviously you don't love playing him against Denver, but it—I don't think it's a week to necessarily be as scared as you might have otherwise. So, yeah.
0: And 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 they play and they played Denver in week one. Let me go to the big tool at RosterWatch.com and just see how, how that went for him in week one. Um, he was uh, six tar. I mean, it was not the worst game. Six targets, 23 touches for 79 yards and a touchdown. You
1: know, he's just a, on 76% he's a huge threat to score. And, you know, it brings up a couple of things. If you, uh, another, I guess, a, a turning point in his career that if you didn't hear it on the trade cast last week, I'd kind of like to mention it here. You know, the seminal moment in Melvin Gordon's career for his pro football career and for his fantasy especially dynasty you know, fantasy value and career, was when Danny Woodhead got hurt and he showed he could handle the third-down duties. As soon as that happened, he blossomed into a rare workhorse. And he's one of those guys that when he gets the volume, he gets way, way, way better with it. And so that was a big moment in his career, and we love Melvin Gordon. It's it's awesome to see. And and I'll tell you the other side of this equation, I think, Alex, is last-minute. On DraftKings, I wish I'd spent more time on this lineup. We just get so damn busy on the weekends, man. It's hard. Um, I was looking at ways to buy into that Chargers Raiders over under on you know that Vegas had so high, and you know everybody obviously had the Keenan Allen Rivers stack, or maybe not everybody, but a lot of people did. And I kind of figured, you know, maybe the other way to buy in this is with the Melvin Gordon Hunter Henry stack. So I did put one lineup like that together that turned out all right. I wish I'd spent some more time to mold a few others around that. But I, you know, I do believe maybe with the 80% snap count, we're starting to see – I think we're starting to see a lot of the stuff at training camp beginning to blossom with the Chargers. You know, a lot of teams just got off the slow starts this year, man. The limited preseason, the limited OTAs. This season is still preseason for the first two or three weeks of the year. It makes it really, really tough to predict early. But I think we're seeing now, I mean, Mike Williams, that's coming home to roost. I'm sure we'll talk about him here on the cheat sheet in a minute. But um, anyways, I'd say Hunter Henry owners are feeling a little better right now too, man.
0: Owners who aren't feeling very good are those of Julio Jones. We actually had a, uh, a guy, a guy, the longtime member of Roster Watch Nation, a Julio Jones owner, who asked of all people who if he was, like, so angry after the game, you know. And you know how people get angry and they just say, I want this guy off my team, he sucks. He was so angry that he said, I'm getting him off my team, I'm trading him for Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> because, he does, because Julio doesn't have any touchdowns, Jarek McKinnon already has two touchdowns, and how can you not say that Jarek McKinnon is not going to have more touchdowns this season than Julio Jones? And I just said, man, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, with, like... Where, where are you right now on julio what is your level of what is your level of worry i know you'll, he's probably going to be a major topic you bring up in the trade cast tomorrow because clearly he's a guy i mean just based on that i mean based on that bit of evidence we know that he's a guy that owners are you know at least certain owners in some situations are very frustrated with and somebody you might be able to get for a significant discount due to the fact that yeah you know he ha- he hasn't been terrific these fat, these First, I guess what? It's been four ga- they've had their bye, right? So it's been four games, four, or five games for them, I guess. Uh, let's see, Lando's played five games. Where are you on Julio Jones? What, what are you thinking right now?
1: You know, I think typically we'd say, man, that's go look for that guy, that owner in your league, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, that goosey. But then you do start to wonder in a sneaky, trash man kind of way. If this trade that you think is so ridiculous at face value, if there is some slice of possibility here that that guy at the end of the season that looks at you and is just laughing, and he made the smart trade with McKinnon. McKinnon, you know what it reminds me of with McKinnon is Thompson. You know what he looks? His core strength, his core strength looks so much improved. Just like Chris Thompson, these are guys that were easy first down contact. They're.
0: I think Jarek McKinnon has always had a ton of core strength. He's a, he's, a been a, he's been he's been he's been he's been an athletic super freak the whole time. And yeah, I mean, but I do, he's but never I he's he never looks shed looks contact. I mean, I he, looks he,
1: he looks better. He looks better. He looks better. Whatever it is, he looks better. He looks better, man.
0: I think that the whole. I I think I think no matter what, I think if you look at it from a results-based way, if you look back, it's some kind of trade for Julio Jones for Jarek McKinnon, and somehow the Jarek McKinnon side turns out being better. I think that you're looking at that process from a from a results-based way and not a process-based way. And it, I, if you trust the process and you stay the course and you don't make an idiotic trade like that, Julio Jones for Jarek McKinnon, you're going to end up on the right side of things more often than
1: not. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I more than likely I wouldn't make that trade and more than likely that's the owner that – we, more tend to, than likely, that we tend to be <laughs> are you,
0: that that more you saying more than likely makes it feel like there is some degree of likelihood that you would make that. Well,
1: trade. I, I it's very unlikely, but I think for you to completely dismiss that whoever's process looking into that might be a little bit foolish because there could be some predictive analysis there that I haven't I haven't looked into it. And you know what? Julio Jones is a player. I'll be looking into you obviously way more and, and Jerick McKinney. Again, a potentially an ultimate sell high. You know what we've been preaching on the Trade Cast is that, you know, look, whenever a fantasy player's value is the higher, highest it's ever been in his career, maybe he's not a must sell, but he's certainly a must investigate. You know, in terms of a sell high, well, so McGin- well, McKin- right, McKinnon fits that bill, obviously.
0: Half of half of what I'm saying is that you don't win in fantasy football by selling Julio Jones right now. You don't like if 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 you're gonna sell him if you are that worried about Sarkeesian sucking which he which he might. I mean uh, there there are a number of things that could derail a good Julio Jones season, you know injuries, the fact that he could always be used as a decoy. I'm just saying somebody, somebody that, might not you know, somebody might
1: not view that as selling as, as as a as a huge discount selling at a huge discount. And what I'm saying is that that's more than likely donkey. But they could have some method to their madness, and and in a trash-man way, I wouldn't be completely surprised if at the end of the season they look back and they say, yeah, I told you so. You thought I was stupid then. I mean, McKinnon's looked great. McKinnon's looked great, man. I I
0: mean – I'll say I'll say any day of the week I'll be happy to eat my crow for saying I'm not trading Julio Jones for Jarek fucking McKinnon and of I people. would too if I, I'm wrong I'm I wrong would, yeah I, you gotta you know, be able but, to
1: live with yourself man you gotta be able to live yeah, with yourself I mean,
0: we're, I mean we're in the business where we're, we're, we're gonna have to I mean We're in the business where we have to make predictions, and sometimes, uh, thankfully, in our careers, we wouldn't have made it this far if we weren't right more often than we're wrong. But, I mean, hell, we got to be wrong sometimes. I just, look, I'm not going to ever look back and and feel like I feel in any way good about a process where I said there's a guy that's been a jag his whole entire career. A guy that we really weren't enamored with when he was coming out anyway, you know, uh, and... I mean, a converted quarterback to, to, to running back, a guy that's just a pure athlete coming into the NFL trying to make things happen. I just, look, I don't even, I just, I, it's just, it's something I can't get behind. One thing I will say is it certainly seems like Latavius Murray, as we've always told you, um, very much still sucks and is a very much a, a 1B in that deal, even if they kind of, you know, run him out there as the starter and everything, and give him first crack at goal line looks, we saw Jarrett McKinnon at least get one look on the goal line this week after uh, Latavius got stuffed as he always does. Well, this definitely um, sounds
1: like a touchy subject right now for Julio Jones owners.
0: Speaking of uh, speaking of players who suck like Latavius, is he droppable? I'm going to ask you a couple guys if you think they're droppable because obviously people are going to need to be use the waiver wire cheat sheet and sometimes, especially in 10-team leagues, but even in 12-team leagues with the rosters and the depth that we've built. Um, some, sometimes you got to face the reality of dropping players who are kind of pretty good, or at least who you thought were going to be pretty good. Is, at this point, Latavius Murray droppable?
1: I think as oftentimes you'll see on the waiver wire cheat sheet, Uh, where we farm waiver wire gold we we cultivate waiver wire gold all season long every Tuesday at rosterwatch.com I'd say you know what Alex and the bottom tier guys one thing that uh, uh, a lot of our subscribers will notice is that those guys oftentimes are droppable or acquirable it just really depends on your situation and I would put Murray. Oh, uh, right, square, all right, So square I see Latavius that, is on. So, so, so
0: Latavius is only owned at forty-eight percent of leagues. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's acquirable and he'd be droppable, just kind of depending on what your needs are, I guess. But he's he's a good ways he's a good ways down the, a good ways down down the sheet. So I would say that. Well,
1: it's a good week to look at handcuffs if you're in a bad spot. It's a thin week on the waiver wire, so know. this is a good week for some housekeeping with your own team.
0: Is Sammy Watkins droppable?
1: I don't think so. In a 10-man league, yeah. And I don't think you should ever be starting him. In a 12-man league, I don't think I would drop him. But, I mean, coming home to roost, man. Coming home to roost.
0: How many yards has he had in the, in the last... I mean, ever since the big game. Who was the big game, Bruce? Was, was, was that Dallas? I mean, he has been... He has, He's done a disappearing act. And I realize it's, it's no easy deal going up against... Uh, going up against the Jaguars corners. or Let us um, let me just look back at his matchups the last couple weeks. It was the Jaguars corners. And then, of course, it was Richard Sherman the week before that. But I forgot who. I mean, he has had, over the course of the last three weeks, uh, at Dallas. No, it wasn't the big game versus Dallas. It was the big game at San Francisco. Rem- remember the Thursday night game where he went for 106 and two touchdowns on seven targets and six receptions. It was the uh, Dallas game. One reception for 17 yards the Seattle game 0 he got blanked and then versus Jacksonville 1 for 11 the last 3 weeks he's seen a total of 10 targets for two receptions and 28 yards
1: yeah i mean you guys said i was a fool back in august when i told you that cooper cup was the best wide receiver on the team and you know we i didn't i didn't, tell, I, didn't call,
0: I didn't call you a fool but i said it is a hot take it's a, it's a contrarian and a very different take than most would have had.
1: And had – yeah, and well, it'll be interesting to see. We still – the one thing we wanted to see was at the end of the season, you know, who will have more fantasy points, Sammy Watkins or Cooper Cup. And the fact we even had that dis- discussion is pretty sad for Sammy Watkins' owners. And But, you know, we said all along that arsenal is loaded. He was a late integration into that offense. And with a young developing scheme, coach, quarterback marriage, that, uh, I mean, that he was no more than a wide receiver four or five for us. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that one's turned out spot on.
0: Is Paul Perkins droppable?
1: I mean, he should have been dropped weeks ago.
0: Okay. What about Martavis? He's been awful. Are you holding on to him just in case there's some kind of squeaky wheel narrative?
1: That's so funny you mentioned that. Um, that must just be in the collective consciousness. Um,
0: Why were you thinking some kind of cocky? Maybe thought about that's this.
1: That's like the squeaky wheel narrative. Has kind of got a mythological element to it, where it just it, it penetrates the collective consciousness before it you even have to have any you know real discussions about it. Um, yeah, I had I had been thinking about that. You know, in a ten team league, certainly Martavis, just like Watkins, droppable. You know, Schuster Smith is not real. You know, actually, it brings up a good discussion. I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Alex, because I, I, Schuster Smith and Martavis are two guys that I left off of this waiver wire.
0: Smith, Schuster. I can't let you. I can't. I can't. I, I I can't allow you to keep saying it like that. Smith, <laughs> Schuster. <laughs> Smith <laughs> in a trash Schuster. going. Schuster Smith. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Get more and more (laughs) like the trash man with every passing day, my man.
0: (laughs) I I can tell.
1: Um, Martavis, let me look him up because I have him in my notes here, I think he might be less than 50% right now. My point was, let's see here. No, no, he's still quite a bit owned. So, yeah, I left – I Mark Tavis, yeah. I think he droppable in a ten man league. Um, I do think there's a potential for a squeaky wheel breakout as a stash in any other league. I think it's very hard to play him moving forward, you know, until you see that happen. You know, don't be surprised if you bench in, waiting him waiting hit that, that for that to happen and he goes off on your bench. But that's kinda gotta be the way of life with him right now. And um Smith Schuster He's been on the waiver wire cheat sheet for several weeks now. Uh, I, he could have been on it this week. I left him off just because his snap counts are increasing, but the targets still aren't have super appealing. It's just a muddled situation with the squeaky wheel with Martavis Bryant. Is he going to get a little more action now? So I think in a deep league, if you want Smith-Schuster, he's, he's definitely rosterable. Possibly low-end flex playable uh, if you have to play him, you know, in a really deep league or in a super um, pinch. But I mean, yeah, those guys are trending. You know, those guys have been trending towards convergence. You know, if you were to look at those two guys on a on a uh, fantasy football um, appeal chart or graph, those guys are close to intersecting. I'd say.
0: All right, just one more thing. Um, Derrick Henry, man, did you watch last night? Epic monster, a huge throbber. It's like, have the the tides finally changed to where we're going to see Derrick Henry take over kind of the 1A role there to to DeMarco Murray's 1B? I mean, DeMarco Murray, 16 touches for the 87 yards and a touchdown. He had four targets. Derrick Henry, only one target, but 20 touches for 145 and a touch. Uh, Derrick Henry in this game outsnapped Demarco Murray, fifty-seven percent to fifty-four um, percent. Any thoughts on any thoughts on that backfield split? Certainly a boon for a lot of members of Roster Watch Nation that have been grasping at straws to hold on to to uh, Derek Henry. That we've told them, look, just you know, patience. You know, wait till we get a good matchup. This was a week where we were high on Derrick Henry. Um, so happy ha- happy for everybody who's a Derrick Henry owner that was able to get that big game out of him. Do you think that this could continue this kind of split? Because it, it, this split has not been like this, um, really, at any point that we've seen this season or previously.
1: Yeah, you know, we discussed at length last week on the Trade Cast uh, the opportunity to the opportunity for both the Demarco Murray owner and the Derek Henry owner to acquire, you know, the other one and go ahead and sew up that situation in your league it was a cheap cheap time to do it last week it was a good time to do it last week hopefully some of y'all took that advice you know that said moving forward i mean i don't trust derrick henry at all you have no idea when to play him and i believe you're still praying for an injury and just how long can you keep praying for that so hopefully you have a good team where he's just a guy that can sit on your bench, and if and when that does happen, it's a, it's a development that puts your roster completely over the top. And I'd say anybody else who's not in that situation, I mean, I'd be finding every which way up and down to sell Derrick Henry and part of some deal this week. Uh, and so, obviously, that's something that we'll get into uh, deeper tomorrow.
0: All right, and then just one other final thing. Is what? How the hell did Denver lose? How did Denver lose? Dude, to the New York Giants that have literally nobody.
1: I Man, the Giants' defense stepped up, and Evan Ingram went ham.
0: I just, I just don't get it. I, it's like, I'm starting to think maybe these teams are coming off by. I heard Evan Silva talking about this on Warren Sharp's show, of the Sharp, um, or on his Warren Sharp's Periscope. Just um, sometimes, like sometimes the teams coming off by, it, like it actually makes them shittier. <laughs> because they go away on vacations and stuff like little mini vacations, they get away f- w- with their families. Like they're restricted on the amount of time they can put in, but the coaches still go up there and concoct up a million cockamamie schemes and have all these ideas from an extra week of work. These players come back in, they try and lump all this shit on them. I don't know, man. I think it takes a good team, like the New Orleans, you know, a team with a good quarterback like Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints for being able to come back off of taking some time off from by and have the coaches throw a bunch of shit on you and be able to process it. Maybe that's why he's always been so good off bys, and we've seen these other guys. Just historically, there's a lot of evidence for, you know, this contrarian to what you would really think that teams coming off bys should be good. Like, a lot of times they've been really shitty. But I, I just I don't see how Denver could have lost in that spot. Like, they, they completely swindled me on the primetime slate with having all of the Denver defense... <laughs> you but know anyway, what the more right, so the more
1: you uh you get into this thing, the more you realize that NFL football coaches among, you know, the cockamamiest groups of people out there, man.
0: Oh, well, I mean we've we have that figured out, man. We've been we we've been deep in the underbelly of this bitch for the last five or six years during the off season and I just it's always funny, man, people <laughs> people hold these guys to like some higher standard. Like they're not one like for one, like they're not humans. For two, they're not A lot of times, dirt balls. And three, a lot of times, you know, not the fucking, like, not the, the, you know, sharpest tools in the shed in some ways. So, definitely, I mean, uh, definitely an interesting bunch. Um, All right, but let's... uh, Let's move on to the waiver part of the podcast. Just another reminder, you can find all of our pro content with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It's cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee. you never be a fantasy loser again whenever you have us um, to help you and guide you through. And you can do so. You can ask us questions and uh, let us do so in the comments section there at Rosterwatch. We're Byron, the trash man, myself. We're always trolling around. Um uh, seeing, seeing uh, who we can help out and what questions we can answer also please give the podcast a 5 star rating and review for your shot at a free pro membership at rosterwatch.com where you can access tools like the waiver wire cheat sheet let me go into my pro account right now and pull up the waiver wire cheat sheet alright so what do you want to talk about first
1: Dion Lewis
0: <laughs> okay
1: a guy that's been on the sheet for a few weeks now. I know Alex was fairly hot on him last week, and he's he's been trending positively. And he gets that matchup at home with the Atlanta Falcons, which has been really a dream matchup for those types of running backs so far this year. It's a sneaky play. It's a bit of a trash man play. And, look, there's nobody – I mean, the one thing you'll notice about this week's cheat sheet is it's definitely the – uh, the, the thriftiest week that you've seen so far. There's no recommendation. Well, we're fr- not
0: we're not recommending any free agent budget bid over ten percent this week, which is the lowest. I, yeah, for by far, it's usually up at twenty five or thirty where the yeah. top tier is.
1: So, I mean, all these guys are kind of value plays, but Dion Lewis, a guy that huh, deserves quite a bit of consideration this week, based on the matchup and based on the way his touches and snap counts have been trending, along with his production.
0: I can't believe that Matt Forte in the year of our Lord 2017 is on a waiver wire cheat sheet.
1: I hate to do it, and you want to tap the brakes a little bit, knowing that Powell could very well be back in the mix here. I just, just in case you need a play this week, that's that that mainly explains why he is where he is on the sheet.
0: Looks like a guy who went bananas in the. in the Denver game, uh, in, in a spot where, uh, in a spot where Ezekiel Elliott was held to nine yards at Mile High, of course, Orleans Darkwood comes in there and goes off for 118 yards. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Um, uh, where, like, is that? Is is that just a? I mean, you can come to RosterWatch.com, download the our Cheat Sheet, find out where this top tier, uh, how this top tier sort of sorted out, but. Do you see that going forward as an Orleans Darkwood 1A, Wayne Gallman 1B? And also, where is where is Shane Vereen? I kept thinking to myself, man, with all these wide receivers going down, I think it's going to be an uptick for Shane Vereen since, you know, I mean, we, we know that he's an excellent receiver out of the backfield. Um, but, you know, ever since it's, you know, last week and this week, it, he, he hasn't seen any uptick whatsoever. Do you, do you think that this is a situation where they're going to let or- Orleans Darkwood take early down work, sprinkle in Wayne Gallman for some early down work, and let Wayne Gallman maybe handle passing down work?
1: You know, I think Trashman even had Vereen on a waiver on a garbage grab sometime this year. I thought that take was just crazy. Shane Vereen hadn't been relevant for- <laughs> hasn't been relevant forever, and when the ship has sailed, when, it, when do you when do you let it go? When do you finally just let it go, man? And so I thought that was an insane take, Shane Vereen. You know, watch it now. He's going to come out and have some kind of monster or something this week. It'll be hilarious. Yeah, probably. But, uh, no, it's – um, yeah, I think it's – Orleans Dark. clearly the by far the best traditional running back they have on the team. And, uh, you know, I was listening to Jay Glazer talk about how much of a freak that Justin Pugh has turned into, just a physical dominant freak. and. See, so wonder if that—that's a team that might just start trending towards playing a little bit more dirty, a little more power. Well, they don't power yeah, football. They
0: don't want to let it. Yeah, they, well, th- well, that's the one way that Eric Flowers can win too. Eric Flowers can't pass protect to save his save his life. So that could be a way to mask that for sure, and it go—it certainly goes along with what their what their mo should be at this point in time, which is we don't have any wide receivers at all. We have to be starting guys like you know, I mean. Travis Rudolph and guys like Matt Lacoste and stuff like it's it's like you look at the snap you look at the big tool and you pull up the Giants like the snap counts from last week. I mean, you have you know Roger Lewis at eighty nine percent of snaps. You have Gerald Adams who's having to take back up to twenty percent of snaps. You have Tavares King who rolled out of a shallow grave somewhere for eighty five percent of snaps. You know, guys like Lacoste, Travis, Rudolph, forty-three percent of snaps. Like undrafted, got it's like a preseason. You know, so if 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 uh, if you can, you know, if you can get some kind of spark there running the football, I mean, I, I, I certainly agree. Well, you know, Roger Lewis,
1: Roger uh, Lewis would predict Roger Lewis predictably had the matchup with Denver and then gets the matchup with Seattle and then has the bye. So you really don't like him. It's really hard to like him any of those weeks. I still think that that's the guy that's sub-50% owned that a lot of people are still going to be focused on. And the, and the stat counts kind of support that. And I, I'd certainly say he's, he's still worth maybe like a long-term stash. Uh, but I'll tell you, the guy that's tricky that didn't make the sheet this week that I was already zeroing in on for tomorrow's trade cast... Um, but then I saw today he's only 54% owned, so he almost made the sheet. He's available in a lot of your leagues. As, I mean, dude, Sterling Shepard I think right now is an amazing pickup. It looks like he's – I believe he's going to be coming back sooner than later. And so – Right. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I mean, his owners are probably on to it, but would be a really nice add, I believe, to your team right now. It's a guy to definitely look at in your league or see if he happens to be on your – waiver wire uh, just a owned owned just a hair too much to make this week's sheet
0: would you trade Will Fuller for Sterling Shepard
1: nah man why mess with a good thing (laughs) I just keep keep rolling with Will Fuller you know the one the one other thing I'd like to say about that Giants game Mm -hmm. and the Orleans Darkwood tape is that I can only pray that Anthony Lynn is spending all week watching that film getting maniacal and diabolical in his game planning. I mean the, the
0: the the reason the reason why you oh golly yeah for sure the but uh, but the reason why you mess with the good thing with with Will Fuller is he scored all these touchdowns on like five total receptions.
1: Dude, Deshaun Watson like, is was, Deshaun just, Watson is the truth, man, and Will Fuller is just a great component of that offense yeah i mean if you made that trade it's fun yeah it's hard it's it's hard to predict it's one that's not clear so clear that i can you know you say definitely go do it and so i don't know i think he could go one way or the other maybe i have a slight preference towards shepherd if i had my druthers but uh man if you got will fuller it's fun to ride the Deshaun watson train
0: You got any any of these other runners you want to talk about, maybe down here in this second tier? Anybody else you wanted to hit on?
1: Not really. I saw a few tweets from, what is it, Chris Milo, big Giants fan. He's a real maniacal follower on Twitter, uh, saying that he was expecting to see Chris Ivory on this week's sheet because of Leonard Fournette and just because, generally speaking, what we've kind of preached to you guys during these uh, lower-budget weeks on the waiver wire – is that it's a good time to get your running back handcuff situation, you know, sorted out. And I think we saw it with Ivory this week. It's a good time to at least look at him if you're a Fournette owner. I know Alex texted me on, what was it, Sunday, saying he's worried Fournette's going to – can't survive this, you know, workload as a rookie, et cetera. And so – or maybe they might start
0: scaling him back a small bit. Maybe it's just like for some reason, man, my life flashed before my eyes whenever that it looked like a non-contact injury. Well, David Chow David Chow said
1: had that been artificial turf, it almost certainly would have been a blown ACL. And luckily, it was just an ankle tweak because the the, the turf gave on the natural surface. So, yeah,
0: I mean, it's just it's just. To me, I wonder if since they say it's nothing, no, no big deal with the ankle right now. You can bring it up in the trade cast tomorrow, but let the record show that. It, it, look, my wife is a Leonard Fournette owner in a in, the, a, in a maniacal keeper league that she, that she plays in, <laughs> and I'm pretty lucky to have a wife that has a maniacal, you know, keeper league. But I just we talked about it, and it's like maybe you know, just throw out some feelers for Leonard Fournette. You can sell on them awfully high right now, and I, I, you know. We just we're just seeing that Chris Ivory is looking like an excellent, uh, you know, pass catching back, and um, part of the part of what's made Leonard Fournette so good to start. I mean, we're always going to love him, but part of what's made him so good to start is he was, you know, he was seeing a actually a decent number of uh, a decent number of targets there for a while, which has kind of ticked off over the last couple of weeks. Plus the fact that he could be getting injured. Plus the fact we're seeing the snap counts now dwindle down to sub 60 percent. Um, just a, a few few warning signs for me. I'm sure you'll touch though about that on, on the on the trade. Yeah, let me cast make a tomorrow. note about that
1: trading Leonard Fournette in a keeper league. I'm writing cockamamie business <laughs> right now is we've already got folks on our feed saying he's going to be like the number one or two pick in fantasy next year.
0: Yeah, well, let me just say though that, that this he was he was a, a third round pick for her in this league not that it matters but you can't keep anybody who's 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 taken before the 7th round. So, but yeah, I got gotcha. you. He's definitely not somebody who you want to get rid of in dynasty, you know, keeper
1: league where you can keep early players, etc.
0: Um Okay, do, do you want to move on to wide receiver?
1: Yeah, I mean, I truly think that that's the hallmark hallmark of this week's waiver wire cheat sheet the Oh, uh, God, I got a bee here on my sunglasses. Let me get these off before I get stung. I don't want it to be like, uh, oh, my gosh, I want to get stung in the eye. don't want to get stung in the eye. It will be like a Jerky Boys, an old Jerky Boys snake bit me in the eye. Right here live. He
0: got bit in the eye, man.
1: <laughs> right here live Roster Watch Nation. Uh, okay. He bit, um,
0: he bit me in the eye and my shoes fell off.
1: Yeah, I think that the... Um, I think the hallmark of this week's cheat sheet is that it's time for Roster Watch Nation to mobilize, unite, and go out and get our golden children. This is the time to do it in a low-budget week. These guys have been on the sheet at the bottom. We could still get them for, for cheap before this house catches complete fire. But it's our sickest, most golden wide receiver, uh, young wide receivers of Rosterwatch Nation. At, folks, it, it's time to go out and get him in our leagues right now.
0: Yeah, and these are this this group of four at the very top. They certainly are woven into the fabric of uh, of of uh, roster watching <laughs> roster watching Asian Some of our most maniacal uh, sons, I guess. First, talk about Corey Davis. He has. I mean, I re- I've I've always said about Corey Davis, Dez like Demarius Thomas like. Um, we've seen it in flashes this season it looks like he's on the mend marcus mariota is on the mend i think i mean I, I i traded for Corey davis last week you know to a guy who i to a, to a guy who said that he was interested in my philadelphia defense you know i traded my defense and one idp i forgot who it was luke Keekley for uh Corey davis and extremely happy with that trade and uh, i'm i'm ex- I'm excited for him to come back he is uh right here perched atop this um within the top group of the waiver wire cheat sheet this week which is laid out in perfect order it's a good way for you to set your waivers by um doing exactly what we would do and we have it set out in order for you so you can set your waivers in five minutes ten minutes uh cut your process down by like <laughs> you know what would take you normally like an hour and a half to put these together in, 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 an, in an expert fashion so uh, come come to see the exact order but one of the guys is Corey davis uh thoughts on that byron
1: i mean i just it's getting real with this group of guys it's getting real right now with this group of guys if you want them this is the time to go get them and uh, yeah i mean Corey davis i mean he's, he's a freak and i think it has a chance to be a huge second half breakout we've been Other people are talking about it now. You know we've been telling you this for about six weeks now. But he's got a good matchup if he goes this week against Cleveland, a reasonable matchup, and then gets the bye. I think you're really getting him to stash him for a few weeks from now. And I think the way that that offense is shaped, that he has the chance to come in and be kind of top dog as far as high target values and – Pretty, pretty clearly pretty quickly they loved him in many camps and I mean you saw it even in the game or so he played in early in the season when he got in. they targeted him and I mean he looks sick so Corey Davis is awesome has a real chance to you know to go boom and then um, you know we had the news coming out today that Jake Rudin uh, says he is you know steadfastly committed to getting continue to getting Josh Dawson. More involved, who I mean, if you've been watching the games, he's been getting important. The volume still isn't quite where it wants to be, or maybe this, or the snap count, but or this,
0: or the snap count, but counts. it's, tr- it's but trending he's up. He's used in high value yeah, situations. Yeah, he's
1: getting value, he's in there important situations, getting high value targets. That's into situations trending upwards. And I mean, it's pretty clear the way they want to use him. They want to use him in the end zone, and they want to use him down the field. Or if it even on the intermediate plays, I mean he's still a guy that can go on that, you know, interior dig route for that 18 yards or whatever. I mean, he's so Josh Doxon heating up. I mean, he's only got to replace Ryan Grant. Kirk Cousins is on fire. He's on fire. You know, we I mean the thing is is that Terrell Pryor, that whole thing is we didn't we weren't we had no interest in that this year. And we told you on last week's trade cast that while he was kind of coming off the buy and had had the big week before the buy, it was a good time to start thinking about shipping him. Um, you know, Dachson is the best. He's the most technically sp- wide receiver yeah, on. Yeah. That. He's
0: the best wide yeah, receiver he's the, on. He's the most roster. technically
1: sound wide receiver on that team, and so and the best. It's still a long run. still best. a long run ordeal, I think. But he's definitely heating up and trending in the right direction. And I mean, I'll tell you, I think if you're in a Pinch in some very deep leagues like we're in ultra competitive, ultra deep leagues where, I mean, you know, you're scraping bottom on your waiver wires. I mean, Josh Doxson is the kind of guy. I think if you had to play him, you don't love it, but I think you can. I think you can actually start to be, you know, you can begin thinking about playing him right now if, uh, if you're in a bind. And then, um, I don't know. The other two, you see him right there, Alex. Two, two. They're both up and you know. John Ross is up and back at practice. And Mike Williams got in on a very limited snap count for his run receptions for 15 yards where he looked like a big studly beast that has never existed, you know, has not existed on that offense since Vincent Jackson. And um, Tyrell Williams had another poor week there in San Diego, so or in Los Angeles with the Chargers. So Mike Williams gets a little more run here than he gets to buy. You know, Much like Corey Davis, I think this is a guy who can heat up pretty big down the stretch, man.
0: So those are some of the key names that are intermingled among the top sort of tiers at running back and wide receiver on the Week 7 Ultimate Waiver Wire Cheat Sheet available at rosterwatch.com. Come to rosterwatch.com, uh, use the online tool, download the cheat sheet if you're interested in finding out uh, kind of how everybody stacks up and also um, – you know the players underneath them the cheat sheet you use the same way as you use the draft cheat sheet you just you know go from the top to the bottom and you put your waivers your waiver claims in in that order use the free agent budget bid uh, we recommend and it's going to save you a whole lot of time Byron uh, those were kind of the main the main highlights anybody else you wanted to just kind of hit on before we get out of here tied in quarterback or defense
1: yeah I think George Kittle is a guy that Everybody needs to be paying close attention to for their tight end position, 8% owned. I mean, I don't know what to make of the C.J. Bethard offense, but whatever it is, Kittle's getting targets, and he looks good. We know he was a really good rookie. Uh, we got to cover him at the Combine this year. Awesome kid, too.
0: We, we got to cover C.J. Bethard at the Senior Bowl. What were your significant takeaways from him? Well, you know, I don't remember shit.
1: I liked C.J. Bethard uh, somewhat on tape heading into the Senior Bowl. And then we got to the senior bowl, and he was just a complete jag. And we, 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 and every, we, right. and everybody else thought it. None of what, none of right. what showed up on the Iowa tape showed up on the field. And you know, but then the 49ers went. I apparently identified somebody who fits their system, and you know, he's the, he's from the lineage of Bobby Bethard, so he, he's in the from an NFL bloodlines. And um, you know, they identified he was somebody they wanted, and they, what appeared to be the biggest reach of the whole NFL draft was what CJ Beathard I believe in the third round for the 49ers yeah not on anybody's radar Um. I think he's looked semi-functional I don't know I don't it's not good for anybody but um it's extremely thin at tight end right now and George Kendall or George Kittle is a like a really talented player that's trending very positively right now I I, if I was in a tight end bind I'd be more happy I'd be more than happy uh to grab Kittle, and then you know, for-
0: he's a he's a spark freak, dude. What did what did Ryan Switzer tell you about George Kittle? Didn't wasn't it those two that lived together during at, at, at their training at EXOS or something like that?
1: Yes, they did, and it was actually Kittle who told me that Ryan Switzer was the hardest worker he'd ever met. And but you oh, could okay. tell that I knew
0: there was some, you could some tell that was coming from here. a
1: guy, a modest guy who was game recognized game a heart a hard worker himself, and so good for George Kittle. You know, I'd say the other little bit of surprise here on the tight ends before we either move on or get out of here, Alex, is, uh, you know, Vernon Davis continues to be a very viable play in Washington. I mean, at this point, I think he's just built into the offense and is a reasonable low-end tight end play. I mean, he's been outperforming Jordan Reed for the most part. I'm not saying I continue that – I expect that to continue, uh, but – Vernon Davis, if you're in a pinch, only 6% owned. And then um, Nick O'Leary, as a guy we talked about two weeks ago, Alex was pleased to see that I put him on the sheet at the bottom with the Charles Clay injury. Uh, the Bills were at bye last week, but coming back, he's a very, very trashy bottom of the dumpster play that we have on this week's waiver wire cheat sheet.
0: And with that, we come to an end of episode 48 of the Roster Watch podcast presented by Rosterwatch.com. Remember, go to Rosterwatch.com and get a pro membership. It's Sign up is quick and easy. Uh, membership is cheaper than a cheap cup of coffee. If you're not a member, um, go get that done. If you want a shot to get that done for free, uh go to iTunes, give us a five star rating and review. We would certainly appreciate it. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you get it right there uh, into your iTunes feed, into your Stitcher feed, wherever it is that you listen. Um, furthermore, tomorrow, the Trade Cast, the Week Seven edition of the Trade Cast, my favorite. Uh, new fantasy podcast, the, the my legit new favorite fantasy podcast of the 2017 season, Byron's Solo Trade Cast. It's so good that I'm thinking about, as editor in chief of Roster Watch, making it premium. So uh, listen to it while it's free. <laughs> so uh, uh, for Byron, for the trash man, for the robot genius, and all of Roster Watch Nation, my name is Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. We will see you next time.